This is Portico Podcast. We are one church, one message, many expressions. Our goal is to facilitate the conversation, how can we respond to culture? And now your host, Pastor Dwayne Hutchings. Well, welcome to the Portico Podcast. Uh, We're so great that you've joined us today for our first broadcast. Uh, Just a little bit about Portico and who we are. We are one church, one message with many expressions, which means that uh, you'll hear the same message across all of our campuses, um, physical campuses, online campuses, but they'll be communicated differently. Um, And uh, we just love that expression because it's kind of like the kingdom of God thing because we're not all the same. So um, for information about Portico, its events, messages, campus locations, service times, make sure that you're going to your mobile device app store and downloading the Portico app. Well, today we've brought together a couple of our pastors and one of our community leaders, and we're here to have a discussion around Black History Month and what it means for the church. And so joining me today, and I will start with ladies first, sir, uh, is Janine Bridge, one of our local leaders. Welcome. Hey, good to be here with you. Thanks for being here. We have our Milton campus pastor, Laura. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so glad you're here. And then we have a guy by the name of Dwayne. So that's not me. My name's Dwayne Hutchings. The other guy is Dwayne Henry. Uh, People have a hard time telling us uh, apart. That's right. So um, I actually call you 2.0. Yep. Yep. Because you're a better operating system than (laughs) I am. So you say. And um, and, uh, instead of being called old Dwayne, thank you. Because uh, you decided to call me original gangster. That's right. And I, OG. <laughs> OG. I appreciate that. And so even with emails, we'll, we'll go back and forth. I'm not sure how professional that is. It but doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's us. So that's anyway. Right. I've heard you both refer to as Hutch and Henry. So Hutch that's pretty cool. Henry. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you want to know what? And I think they might actually have to start going by our last names because I'm constantly getting emails for you. But even <laughs> internally. So they'll hit D and see Dwayne and boom. Oh, it's automatically good. And to this me. is a problem though? Yeah, because I don't want to do your work. <laughs> but, I, but I want you to do my work. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's why I don't have a then problem. You can do mine. You can do mine. Every now and then we should just forward them off to Laura. Just because good I think idea. it'd be funny. I have a lot of good idea. Do yeah, you? I'll take them. Awesome. I'm sure you do. Whatever you need. New campus pastor, like you're here. Like, yeah, you got tons of time on your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on. It's Milton, for crying out loud. It's, it's a bedroom community. Everybody's sleeping, right? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, like, seriously, it's February, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. I think it's kind of come in with a storm. You know, we've uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, crazy. Yeah. Guys, feedback on Super Bowl. Like, anybody born in the 90s was a hype. Like, social media is like blasted with kids and videos going, what happened to my parents? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I heard more about the halftime show than the actual winners of Super Bowl. It's so true. So it, it took a couple of feeds before I found out like the Rams actually won. <laughs> yeah. And, but everything was Mary J. Blige and Snoop yeah. Dogg and Eminem and yeah. all of these people that had connected with this music in the nineties. Yeah. And I was on social media. And yes, there are kids that are like, I did. I didn't. This is like old school music yeah, to them, yeah. and the, but they're watching their parents relive the yeah. best parts of their teenage <laughs> yeah, yeah. years, and it's so awesome. And kids going, I didn't know my parents could move like that. You know, <laughs> I think I think what made me laugh, like I knew the guys that were coming, but then when Fifty Cent came from the top and he was upside down, at first I'm like, who is that? And then he straightened up and it's like, oh, that's Fifty Cent. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, 
I think somebody, it might have been you that said these guys are going to all need Advil and all this other stuff afterwards. Yeah, I was joking about oh, that yesterday in, in our meeting. Yeah, yeah. it was like, you know, cold packs, heat packs. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar was the youngest. And yeah. then for 50 Cent, you're like, how long did you wait? <laughs> Hung upside down. He's doing the Spider-Man for your, thing. For your moment, right? I mean, he looked done before he even got started. That was, um, poor guy. <laughs> The most oh, hurtful yeah. comment I saw online was that this this generation said, oh, finally they did a halftime show for the young people like me, and then took a beat and realized that we're no longer the young people. We're now right. the old people oh who get the show tailored to them. Right. Because right? Oh, yeah. right. we are the ones with the money right now. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so to a some degree. But are we, though? We do. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Money, debt, same thing. I don't know, yeah. right? But we're the ones who are spending money on those tickets. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And so if there's not some degree of like connection with it, you, yeah. I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to pull a like an old school band mm-hmm. from like our parents' generation in as much as there's still people who watch the, the Super Bowl that yeah. way. Yeah. But they really have to start going, okay, who is the current demographic that we're reaching? Yeah. And that so show- true. Hit the nail on the head. It, it did, it man. Just got well, it was entertaining. You just kept hearing, how could this be outdone? How could you ever go? Like, this was just the best of the best. I'm like, <laughs> now, I kind of feel like we say that almost every year. I mean, some years we didn't. Well, but I we're not going to go there. I think I, I think I have seen better, I will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one didn't. I mean, it was good. It was fun to watch these guys, but I've, I've seen better. Yeah. I, I must admit the amount of memes that came out of like Mary J. Blige, like done and exhausted on yeah. the stage and like me after showering the kids or me after like all these memes of exhaustion that were like perfect yeah. for that moment. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's there's a way in which this was it catered to um, a, a total group. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. performance wise, I have to admit hearing hip hop played mm. on musical instruments for yeah. me is so enlivening because it's mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. mainly produced right mm-hmm. like yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. loops and beats and things like that so to hear instrumentalists hitting that bass mm-hmm. like oh so beautiful good. so i just want to be clear then so it was real this was not canned the music it was the real ma- the music was real okay mm-hmm. that's yeah. what, to my knowledge that looked very real to me okay mind you i wasn't there I don't, sure, I don't sure. have any money yeah. to be there. Well, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. So, so maybe it isn't for our <laughs> doesn't matter. Sorry. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say that it's real. Sure. Um and, and we're gonna I wanna bounce off your exhaustion comment. Um and, and let's let's move away from the Super Bowl. Um I don't know about y'all, but I am I just went American. Holy cow, what happened there? Y'all. Anyway, um <laughs> The weather in February here in Southern Ontario has been crazy. Exhausting. Like exhausting. Like we are minus like 21 week. The next week, what what did we get up to yesterday? Yesterday was plus 10, wasn't it? Yeah, plus 10 or plus 12. Plus 10 or plus 12. And and we've we've been getting like 30 to 40 millimeters of rain, but that's going to change. Yes. Because, you know, February is consistent. That's right. You know what I mean? In this weather, (laughs) 20 to 30 centimeters. How y'all feel about that? Again, America, y'all. I don't know why. You know what? It's Canada. We get variety of weather. That's just the way it is. That's positive. You know. <laughs> but I, I do feel like we've had more, like, heavier snowfalls this year hmm. than we have yeah. in a few years previous. I agree. Right? Like, last last winter, I was, like, I was walking every day during the winter. I was like, oh, you know. I mean, it was pandemic, so you needed to do something to not yeah. be in the house the whole it's time. True. But yeah. Yeah. this is, like. I can't, I can't go outside. Like I'm going to lose parts of my, like my ears. I'm going to lose. Right. So So it's been crazy. Uh, Well, that's been good. 
Well, we've talked about a few things in February, and uh, we're going to jump into another portion of our conversation. And uh, so, Dwayne and Laura, I'm just going to let you jump in and, and take over. Yeah, right. thank you. Uh, our friend Dwayne here actually wrote an article recently for the Pentecostal testimony. I'm trying really hard not to call you Brother Dwayne. Brother you, you could if you'd like. A, it's a personal thing. Our have. friend. I'm trying not to do that to you, but I just exposed you to the internet, so there you go. Yeah, cool. Uh, he just wrote an article for the testimony on the role of the homogeneous black church, where you talk mm. about how ethnically homogeneous churches, and black churches in particular, meet a range of needs, but particularly spiritual and social needs for their community. I really enjoyed your article. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you decided to dig into that topic? I think for me, part of it was what was obviously going on at the time um, that I wrote it. And this goes back to 20, well, 2021 was last year. I was thinking of 2020. I was thinking of times before that. But then for me, it was also about my own journey and, you know, sort of discovering, okay, where do I fit in in all of this for myself personally? Mm. So that's why when the article begins, it begins personally for me where I say, okay, my my grandmother, who I never met, uh, was white. She could have been German. She could have been uh, Irish, Scottish, whatever. But she lived in Jamaica. Mm. So So I began to think about that. And then I thought about my friends who I grew up with. And they were all different colors. And then I thought, okay, what's been my perfect picture? What have I believed to be the perfect picture of what the church should look like. And then that's when I put in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. And then I just started thinking from there and just sort of unpacking a little bit. And then I did some research and touch base with some people and stuff like that. And that's how the article came about. And you talk a little bit in it about how you grew up in a multi-ethnic church environment. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you growing up and particularly what were some of the challenges that came along with that? Uh, challenges in regards to that, I think it was, we were definitely welcomed. Like I went to a very multicultural church. We were welcomed as a family. We saw other people that looked like us. Um, I think the challenge for us and maybe for me, because it wasn't really something that my mom or my dad or my siblings talked about was it was always like, well, who's on stage, mm. who's leading I don't want to say who's leading the show, but who's leading the services or who's leading the church, that sort of thing. And then what's the message that I'm getting back from that? What's the message that other young black people were getting back from looking at that? So, so for me, that would have been one of the challenges. But as I said, like the church that I went to, they're quite welcoming. And there were times that you would see a black speaker on the stage. So it wasn't like, you're only seeing um, just one um, persuasion of person. And it wasn't only black people. Sometimes you'd see, you see different people. And I thought, Oh, this is, this is really cool. It, it seemed really cool to me anyway. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit um, even about your family, cause you've got a son, right? Who's yes. entering his teen years. Yes. And um, you know, we, we know and believe that God has a call on his life, just like he has on all of our lives. Yeah. So whether that's for church ministry or something else, you know, he's still figuring that out, but what kind of a message do you think he needs to hear from his church community about his role and contribution in the local church? What would you love to have him hearing from people like us? Yeah, I would like him, I'd like him to be affirmed. I'd like him to feel that he is not limited in, as to where he could go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like him to feel that he is supported for who he is and he doesn't have to change and become 
something or someone else. Mm. Um, that would be the greatest des- desires that I would have on my heart for my son, for him to hear those words, and not only to hear the words, but to see it play out in real time. Mm. Because I think, I think one of the things that we do sometimes is we say one thing, but people are more learning from what we what they see. Absolutely. And I think the message has to be, we're not only saying it, but you can see it in action. Yeah. And I, I think of his generation, they're watching. Whether it seems like they're not watching, they're watching. 100%. And they definitely want to see, hey, I look up there and I see different people in leadership. I see people empowered. These people mean what they say. It puts hope in their hearts. If they if they if they don't see that, then to them it's just like okay, something I do, but when I'm old enough, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm. I don't want him to see that. I've got a 21. Well, she's not 21 yet. I got a 20 year old daughter. Uh, I want her to feel like you know what she's going to be able to have a voice. She's mm-hmm. going to be able to have a place, a place of significance mm. um, in the in the body of Christ. So that's mm-hmm. however we affirm that, however we make that happen. That would, that would make me overjoyed. Absolutely, and isn't that our desire for all of our kids? Right, Absolutely. is to, yes. to not only walk with Jesus to understand their role in the local church. Yeah, but there is uh, sometimes not always opportunity or obvious opportunity for people. And so, what can we, as members of a local church of of uh, members of the local body of Christ, what can we do to create space for people who express their faith differently, who celebrate their faith differently, um, for expressions of faith that maybe are new to us? How can we embrace that? multicultural, multi-ethnic vibe together mm-hmm. and really see the church flourish. Yeah. I think one thing is we have to ask a lot of questions. And I think we have to confess that we don't know everything. And we have to say, look, um, I want to learn about you. We have to have that desire to want to learn. Mm-hmm. We have to be open-hearted that way. Um, we we definitely don't want to go in with assumptions. Um, we want to go in like, help me to understand where you're coming from because I really want to learn. Mm-hmm. And I want to learn how I can serve God best by how I can serve you best in, in having this sort of conversation. So that'd be one of the things I would think. I think we also have to, we have to, we have to confront our own prejudices. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have them. Mm-hmm. We have to be honest enough. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say my age because nobody needs to know. But um, <laughs> I was around at a time when, you know, racial slurs are being thrown back and forth to everybody. Mm. And, you know, we have come to a place now where we understand, okay, that's not cool. That's not a good thing anymore. Um, So with that being the case, we need to adjust that thinking and say, okay, let me admit where I've come short and where I am prejudiced. And let me confess those things. I mean, I'm a person of faith, so let me confess those things to God. Say, God, deal with me. And then let me now approach someone else knowing, okay, look, I've, I've had to put this stuff down. I've got a lot more openness to who you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're different from me, but, but you're just as valuable as I am because yeah. we're all made in God's image. Yeah. You know that? So those are a couple of things that I think of. Um, because, and particularly with the second thing, we have to do that because if we don't, I think we stymie what God actually wants to do. Yeah. 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 I love that question. How can I serve God in the way that I serve you? Yeah. What a powerful thing for us to consider. So, so good.
You know, you just made the comment about, uh, I, I love, help me understand. I love that question. Whether it's dealing with conflict, dealing with, uh, it's an incredible curiosity, you know. Um, help me understand where you're at, your thoughts, and then making space. I've got to tell you, uh, one of the, a, a person of great influence on my diversity when it comes to creativity and music is actually sitting in the room with us today. And uh, <laughs> Janine Bridge. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I look back. Make her blush. The, yeah. <laughs> I look back over the years and, you know, you coming to faith and, and even that impact that it had on the church that we were previously at, like having worship sets with you writing raps to like worship songs that we were doing and how that even energized. And, and as I was giving leaders there, um, I, there was this cutest little. Um, were they? they um, I'm trying to think. They're Eastern European. Eastern Eastern European. This yeah. little cute little, little Eastern European couple. And if if I had gone like a week or two or more, and Janine hadn't been up there in our worship service, and they're like in their like 70s, 80s, <laughs> and she hadn't rapped, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> But I just think about, you know, growing up in Toronto and Scarborough, how that has just helped me uh, with um, being just, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just broader in my music and style. And, and, and it has been such a benefit not to just stick to my own kind, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, with that, Janine, a little introduction here. Uh, Janine, who was once on staff here uh, at Portico, but um, stepped away because you felt a calling to do something. And it really fits in with our discussion today. So I've got a couple of questions for you. But before we jump into that, um, just explain a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm starting an organization called The Third Way. And it is and very much aligned with the conversation that we've had today. It's designed to create spaces for education, coaching, and consulting around the topics of diversity, anti-racism, mm-hmm. and transformative justice. Mm-hmm that at the core of this conversation is actually seeing the inherent human dignity of every person Mm, and that their cultures are given on purpose because they contribute to us as a whole. And so I believe that it is through inquisitive education that we can actually identify systems that create these disequilibriums between us I like point them out and say, we will no longer tolerate that because it prevents me from loving my brother or my sister. But we can only do that when we create a space that is candid, compassionate, honest, and most importantly, filled with empathy Mm -hmm. because these are just really hard conversations to have. They really are. You know, you've said something in the past and it's really stuck out with me um, to have candid conversations, but you, you've said passionate and compassionate. And, and like that's, that's huge, especially when we are taking this time to, to talk about, you know, black history. And so as passionately and compassionately as possible, <laughs> um, just take a moment and just explain like why, why, why black history matters. Yeah. So Black History Month has been set up part as a time to recognize the contributions of black people over Mm -hmm. the course of history. Our history has often been filtered through the lens of the, of the majority culture. Who does this most identify with? 
However, when we look at it through that lens, we neglect the contributions of people who've actually been deeply impactful in how we do things and why we do things. Our music is often rooted very much in a black tradition when Mm. we think about some of the, uh, hey, we talked about the Super Bowl. That is black culture at its, like, at its most impactful, right? Um, But black history provides us with a time to celebrate and recognize the contributions of black people. Mm. Now, as a black person, this is my, I do this all the time. But if if I don't provide an opportunity to allow others to get to know my culture, Mm. it's hard to be that person who does it for everyone. Mm. Whereas this is just a month where we get to celebrate all of us that God is doing something or that people are contributing. So, for example, specific to our Pentecostal or charismatic tradition, we think of William Seymour, who is an African-American mm, pastor, yep. that out of the revival that took place in 1906, the Pentecostal movement was birthed. Yeah. And he was one of the first pastors to actually have an intercultural church mm. where black and white and Asian and people Azusa of Street. Azusa Street, right. people of different ethnicities could celebrate together. Yeah. Did it come with its challenges? Yes. Did it come with people who didn't accept? Yes, because it was moving things forward in a way that in mm-hmm. 1906 was unheard of. Yeah. And then we think of the the legacy of Dever- Reverend Martin Luther King, as as glorified as he has been, and how much we kind of have. Um, w- w- people have taken some of his things and sort of used them in different ways. What his faith activated was this idea mm. that people were created in the image of God. They are mm-hmm. designed to have value and worth. Mm-hmm. And then within Canada, we have people like Lincoln Alexander, who is the first lieutenant governor, Oscar Peterson, who is music, mm-hmm. music, music, jazz, mm-hmm. right? And we're getting then, some history here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic, right? And, and, and so the last person I'm going to mention, she's actually lived history right now. Jean-Madeleine uh, Jean Augustine, she is currently um, an, a social advocate and one of the first black women to be a, to serve as a federal crown, mm-hmm. uh, the minister of crown. Mm-hmm. So right. active, like black history is active right now. Absolutely. And there are people who are making a difference right now. And so it's just a month to say, hey, we see you and we celebrate. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so... With that, like, how does Black history then empower uh, reconciliation? I think I think that last word in 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 this question is is huge, um, because we've had a lot of tension over the past few years, and um, and in expression, and you know, when people are angry, they they ex- they express themselves, and and when we have disagreements, we express ourselves, but ultimately, Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and as the body of Christ. We, we, have to, we have to do that. So how does black history empower reconciliation? So very much what Dwayne had said about his kids. Dwayne um, Henry 2.0, Dwayne Henry folks. 2.0. <laughs> um, it is the idea of being celebrated. Mm. There is something incredibly empowering to the human soul when you are celebrated for who you are. Mm. And black history is genuinely a month where I can look at my brothers and sisters of, like, I can be received that, hey, we see you. We see what you contribute. We see who you are. You are not forgotten. I see, I see the struggle and I see the, the good. And that idea of celebration mm. also creates a sense of belonging, that mm. I belong to the body of Christ because I'm fully seen. If we begin to ignore culture, we believe that God is already fully revealed just in us. Mm. But as the church mm. continues to grow, we are witnessing 
the global South, that their expression of faith is far richer than ours. If I neglect mm. that culture, if I neglect what God is doing in there, then I actually miss out on a, on a, a vital aspect of who God is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've had the pleasure, Dwayne and I have done ministry, Dwayne, Hutchings, <laughs> I should just say Hutchings, um, have done ministry together for almost 18, 19 years. And we, we've been on, I think, six or seven missions trips together. Out of those travels, I've had the pleasure of being to 18 different countries. And in those countries, I've watched how different expressions of the way people embody their faith oh have encouraged me, have empowered me, Challenge. have mm. like... I, and I think it was probably my first trip. This one is a little bit emotional. My first trip, um, I don't come from a Christian home. And so my parents were a little bit me, 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 right? <laughs> and uh, my brother emailed me while I was in Africa. We were specifically in Zimbabwe. And we were in the middle of a, um, a, a prayer meeting with students. And I get this email that my brother's having this really hard time. And I, I'm just weeping. I'm like, God, why would you send me all the way to the other side of the world that I can't be there to protect him? Mm-hmm. And he just said, Janine, you're not his savior. I am. Mm-hmm. And so what do you need to do? And so I, I'm crying and mm-hmm. some of the girls around are hearing this. I'm like, I'm just having a really hard time. And my sister's from Zimbabwe start praying and they pray mm-hmm. down heaven. Oh my goodness. And I'm going, Oh, Father, forgive me for those times where I have not been so quick to jump into that kind of prayer for someone else, uh-huh. that I am now the recipient of grace uh-huh. because he sent me to be him incarnate to another person. Yeah, This is the beauty of what it means to be, we are Jesus incarnate to the people around us. We are a uh-huh. witness that he came, and as he came, he then sends me to be his witness to you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And our various cultures demonstrate God's beautiful character as it's expressed through different cultures. And so Mm. why does Black History Month matter? Because it means that we can see God Mm -hmm. in Black culture differently than he exists in our culture. Well, thank you, Janine, for sharing and being passionate and compassionate <laughs> in in, uh, in sharing your thoughts. Um, it gives us a lot to think about, you know, um, just even thinking about the article, um, you know, 2.0, Dwayne, that you wrote uh, and just what you shared here. It just it leads me to uh, obviously questions that we have to ask uh, ourselves as followers of Jesus, as Christians, um, you know, how uh, right now where we find ourselves, like what can we be doing to not only be recognized, Recognizing, um, you know, and uh, learning from and uplifting, um, you know, uh, black voices like what what can we be doing now to actually do those things? Pastors, <laughs> you know what? I think we sort of had this conversation yesterday when we were prepping for this. Yeah. And um, I don't know all of the answers to, uh, to that question. Mm hmm. I, I would go back to say there needs to be, I'm going to call it an urgent inquisitiveness, mm-hmm. meaning that there has to be an urgency about learning people's stories and, and understanding that in, in some cases we're starting at, uh, at ground zero, you know, um, and gra- yeah. understanding that ground zero, like when you, when you go to a place that's ground zero, um, and I, I was in New York yeah. not too long after 9-11, and yeah. ground zero is not level. 
it's below level, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes I think we make the assumption, oh, we're going to start right here and it's a level ground. And it's like, no, 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 ground zero that we have to get to yeah. um, is actually beneath. Mm. Yeah, that's beneath, good. beneath, beneath the eyes, beneath the skin, beneath, yeah. like, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's lower. Sorry, I just had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, I know one of the responses that I did see um, in 2020, it was so I don't know if it made it on the recording, but you used the word lament mm. and there was opportunity. I saw there was an opportunity that was given for the black culture to lament. And I think that's key. There has to be room for people in the black culture to express their grief mm-hmm. Because we can't, we can't, we can't manufacture that we don't feel anything. Yeah. But we also want to feel valued that when we share it, it's not just they're there, you'll get over it. Yeah. But it's like, this is real. And, you know, empathy. Mm -hmm. How, how, how can we, how can we express that? How can we receive that? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's got us, I don't know. Well, and, and for someone like me who literally has an answer for everything, um, well, I think I do, but I, <laughs> half the time I don't. I just like to talk, right? Uh, hence podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've had to learn over the years, and I've been honored to have many diverse relationships uh, throughout my life. In fact, as we were going through uh, 2020, uh, my eldest, my stoic son, you know, all together uh, in tears, like watching what was happening. And he's like, you know, dad. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. I didn't, I didn't realize the magnitude of the hurt. And, and all of a sudden he goes, you know, and he says, because diversity has just been life for us. It's family for us. And he goes, you know, really other than blood relatives, except for one other couple, every other person in my son's lives who they call aunt and uncle are not white. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and so I've kind of grown up in it, and and sometimes I can speak, but learning through this is that we need to actually just listen. Mm-hmm. So you know, if someone from a different background comes mm-hmm. to speak to me to share their hurt, sometimes we can be so quick to even say sorry. Yeah, and I think sometimes we just need to to shut up. Sorry needs to come. Yeah, but it's got to be delivered with humility ownership yeah. and empathy and yeah. Yeah. You don't want it to be placation. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Nobody likes that. So yeah, it's so true. So, so true. Uh, the ladies, ladies, I was going to say, we also don't want to cut short somebody's expression. As you said, the word lament, right? Yeah. And we're too quick to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Then it's like, well, no, I heard you stop talking. Right. And we don't want to do that yeah. to people. We need to uh, create space and give opportunity for someone to share the fullness of their experience as messy as it might be. And as uncomfortable as it might make us, they need to let it out for their own soul. And we need to hear it. If we're going to lead well, we need to hear the full experience, the breadth of it, the depth of it mm-hmm. in order to find a path forward together and move toward, as you said, reconciliation. We can't even get there until there is mutual understanding and a fullness of understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. There is, the, when I mentioned the word lament earlier, it is a shared lamenting. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the black culture who's experienced this weight or this, this feeling of mm-hmm. exclusion or marginalization 
But on, on the side of our other culture, monoculture, whether it's white or other communities, identifying with somebody's pain mm -hmm. is this shared grief. And so I often think of, I come to crucial conversations. This is one of the, the tools in crucial conversations I go to all the time, mm -hmm. the pool of shared knowledge mm -hmm. that when we are actually sharing our stories, when we are sitting, um, when we're sitting together and we're in those moments, we are creating a sense of vulnerability that I'm letting you into my life. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing something that is meaningful to me mm -hmm. and I, I'm sharing it because you're meaningful to me. Mm. Mm. And that should create this level of trust. That means I'm not going to just give up on you. I'm not just going to say, oh yeah, it's, it's done, whatever, whatever, but it's going, now I'm a part of your story mm -hmm. and we become this bigger story that we all now share. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the invitation is. The invitation is I'm inviting you to be a part of my story and I want to participate in yours. Mm -hmm. And so when something hurts me, mm -hmm. it hurts you. And this is who we need to be as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But it's also this idea that, um, when we think about who we are supposed to be in the mm -hmm. world, Jesus says it's how we love one another mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. the world will look at us in awe and mm -hmm. go, well, what's happening there? Mm -hmm. Because if we look at the world around us, it is more divided. It is more segregated. It is more tribal than it's ever been in that we've know of, mm -hmm. right? For our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. However, in the body of Christ, it is the fact that these tribes all of a sudden intermingle. Mm -hmm. It is the fact that these tribes all of a sudden are rubbing shoulders where the world says, you guys are not supposed to like each other. You're not even supposed to know each other. Mm -hmm. We go, no, no, no. We have something greater that unites us. And it doesn't mean I have to let go of anything about who I am. I don't have to stop being black. You don't have to stop being white. You don't have to stop being mm -hmm. Korean. You don't have to stop being Chinese. Mm -hmm. They all bring something. Yeah powerful and yeah. magical to the kingdom of God mm -hmm. when we celebrate those things. Mm -hmm. And so why, what the church does when we are that witness, mm -hmm. it gives the world a moment of pause to say what's happening there that isn't happening elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What's happening in that group of people that isn't happening in other groups mm -hmm. of people. And that love, that love is the only real thing that Jesus has told us that we need to hold to, right? Yeah. That love is, is it. And so if the church would be known for our love more than anything else, I think we, we win. Mm -hmm. We do something that nobody else can do. Yeah. So true. Um, Cece Winan made a comment um, in her last album and it was, um, you know, why do we do this? Why do we worship? We worship so that those who don't know him will want to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what you're saying. And, and, you know, Dwayne, you referenced uh, Revelation, mm -hmm. every tribe, nation, mm -hmm. tongue, mm -hmm. creed, like this, this is, this is heaven. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and we can, we're going to experience that there, but we can work towards it here mm -hmm. and celebrate looking at any other person regardless of the ethnicity or background and see the stamp of Jesus on their lives, man, if we could actually rise up and do that, we would totally transform this world. That's, totally transform. That's this what world. I'm hoping the third way will be. Absolutely. I'm yeah. hoping to help empower churches, help empower nonprofits and business leaders and individuals mm -hmm. to give them the tools to create these spaces where we can actually be 
love mm -hmm. to each other, where we can embody what yeah. it means to be empathy and compassion and candor and yeah. risk and honesty and grief and yeah. tears and anger and pain without losing the relationships that come mm -hmm. as a result of that shared journey, that invitation to do life together. And mm -hmm. living out our call because Jesus came to reconcile and he's left that with us to do. Well, I want to thank every single one of you for being here, Dwayne uh, and Laura and Janine and Dwayne myself. I'll, I'll thank myself. <laughs> thank you. Why that? Thank you. <laughs> sure, <why not? laughs> and thank you for joining us uh, for our podcast. Um, keep your eyes and ears open for dates of our next podcast. I think we're hopefully aiming for March. Um, so again, if if you want more information about Portico and all that's going on, make sure that you're going to your mobile device app store and download the Portico app. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.